before we start to get into the Word, um, it is sort of the month of missions, and um, I have asked one of our um, sisters who went to Cambodia this year, but our last trip, um, to share with you just some of the things that God has done and worked in her life. Um, So I'm going to invite Janice Lim, so if you can just give her a round of a hand. Good morning, church. Hi, I'm not Pastor Mel, so I'm not giving the sermon. Um, But, (laughs) so be ready for three-hour service. Um, So I have been given the privilege to share something new that I have learned about our mission trip to Cambodia in January this year. And what better time to share uh, than during spring sowing, a time of newness and growth. Um, Some of you might know, I have always had a heart for the people of Cambodia since I was in my teens. So I was definitely excited to go to Cambodia with the missions team of the chapel in January. I was ready to do many things for God. However, um, during my time there, I had many questions and doubts. I was wondering why I felt so helpless in the situations that I faced. One of the things that I saw that I can still vividly remember would be the scene at the garbage mountain. Seeing villages being built surrounding piles of rubbish. But that was how people lived. That is their everyday reality. The garbage mountain is where they get their source of income by finding things to recycle or further add to the structures of their home. There was actually a child from a school at the base of the garbage mountain. He couldn't speak, but he tried to tell us something through incomprehensible words. On our way up the mountain, he actually protected Janice, yes, not me, the other Janice, and I, from a stray dog, a child protecting two adults. I felt even more helpless seeing him rummage through rubbish as I tried to stop the child going through it. He actually gave a bright smile when he found a couple of sweets among the rubbish. And he actually shared it with Janice and me. At that point in time, all I could do was cry as I truly felt defeated. The thoughts I initially had about doing great things for God came flooding back, and I felt helpless. Many questions like, God, where are you in all of this? Why does it all seem so unfair? Where is the justice in all of this? And who am I to think that I could do anything? And if God has given me the heart for Cambodia then shouldn't it be easy? I even questioned whether I would want to serve again in Cambodia or if missions were even a part of my calling or purpose. And reflecting now, I remember asking God to break my heart for what breaks His. And that incident right there was His answer to my prayer. When I felt overwhelmed by the mountains ahead, The feeling of helplessness and hopelessness 
He reminded me that faith in Him can move mountains. So when we can't, our God can. He can do the impossible. The more time we spend with God, the more His heart for the lost rubs off on us. So I now know the things I felt were because these things broke His heart. I wondered who I am to think that I am able to make a difference in the land of Cambodia. But then, in the recent months of reflecting, I have come to realize that I had it all wrong. When we don't know what to do, the only thing left to do is to pray, seek God and His Word, for Him to speak truth over the situation. And in spending time in His Word, I realized the question should have been, who is God? instead of, who am I? And when the priority is shifted to God, the burden is also shifted to Him. I was going through the book of Exodus recently, and Moses actually asked the same question. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? But God replied, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that I have sent you. And so for me, I realized that God really just asked us for our availability and not to worry about anything else, but to know that He has called us and therefore He will provide and be with us. There are so many verses in the Bible that remind me that it is not about me, but about God who is more than able to provide. But one that truly spoke to me was Hebrews 13, verse 20 to 21. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Even when we might not see the difference that we make, I pray that we know that God is causing all things to work together for good, for those who are called according to His plans and His purpose. And so for the missions team heading to Cambodia in two and a half, three weeks' time, I pray that you would all know that the God who has called you to go will also be with you and provide for you. As for us, who are also called to be missional in our living here, may we be prayerful, watchful, and thankful on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are headed to Cambodia, and also for ourselves, that we may be missionaries amongst our families, friends, workplaces, schools, etc. Living a missionary life for Christ is difficult in this day and age. But I pray that God gives us the strength to live and love like Jesus. We want to remember that God had only one son, and he made him a missionary. Thank you. Thank you, Janice, leaving me a puddle on the mic. Um, so, 
springtime is here and the hall is telling us so. In spring, we like to take um, a fresh look at things, start some things and place some things in place so that we can have a fruitful harvest. And every September, we want to do the same for you spiritually so that we may be fruitful before God. This spring sowing, our series is called Kingdom First. And during the next couple of weeks, we want to challenge you to put God's kingdom first. Um, The kingdom first principle is the way we live out our faith. And depending on what it is that you serve and who is king of your land, that's going to determine what kingdom you are a part of. So today, this spring, let us seek God's kingdom first. It's never too late to try. And I pray that day will be today. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me, um, as Pastor Steve always invites me to pray for a new series. I'm calling upon myself to pray. So (laughs) let's pray. Lord, we commit uh, this series into your hands. God, that you, uh, you are jealous for your kingdom that you are, you are king sitting on your throne and that there is nothing that phases you. But Lord, as your people gather and dedicate time to you and your kingdom, I pray that your spirit will speak, that your truth will be heard, and that fruit will bear from the truth that is sown. So God, would you receive all the glory, all the honour and all the praise? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So throughout the next few weeks, you will see some of our mission team members. It's just a way for you guys to know who we are. Um, And today I'm going to call Chris to read out our passage. So I think he's a bit nervous and he was a bit forced to do this, but I'm sure he'll do a great job. So Chris, why don't you come up and share the passage with us today? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one, leave the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father 
knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Thank you, Chris. Pray for me, please. (laughs) We're going to missions together. (laughs) Isn't the word of God powerful? Isn't this passage powerful enough in itself? I know that it is very long, but I don't have to say anything after I read this, but I will. (laughs) You can't stop me. Um, But... Um, If you have your Bibles or if you have the app on your phone, I do encourage you to have Matthew 6 um, in front of you because um, I will be referring to the passages um, as we uh, dissect and go through um, this chunk of the Bible. Um, And it's to make sure that I'm not making things up and I'm just taking God at his word. Seeking the kingdom first as our treasure, it challenges our priorities our perspective, and it also challenges our worries, calling us to trust God and his truth. So this section of the Bible, if you have a physical Bible, you might see that it's actually in red. And if it's in red, we know that Jesus spoke these words. So in this section, what Jesus is saying is this. Don't accumulate things here, because at some point, it's going to get destroyed. At some point, you can be robbed. At some point, it's going to disappear. Don't store up things here for the mere 90 years that you have, but store up things for the rest of time. Jesus, in his wisdom, is saying to us, hey, put your heart where it's not going to get hurt. Put your heart where it's not going to get destroyed. Because everything here has an expiry date. Relationships can become stale, work, taxing, children, annoying. (laughs) And even if these things feel good now, how long will it last? And how long will it continue to satisfy you? But find treasure in things that will not disappoint, that won't run out, things that won't fail. Put your treasure in heaven. So here's the test to know what you are treasuring. Priority. What is your priority these days in life? What keeps you up at night? Or who keeps you up at night? What would you wake up early for? Or who are you waking up early for? What is your priority these days? You know, it's one thing to say God is my priority, but it's totally something else to live it out. A lot of the time, God is inconvenient and unscheduled. Imagine when the angel of God turned up to Mary, Mary, who is the mother of Jesus, and Mary was like, oh, wait, you know, I have a wedding. (laughs) I need to find a dress. I need to find a hall. I need to find a celebrant, flowers, cake maker. So, you know, it's kind of a big deal for me. I only get married once. I need you to wait. Imagine if that's what Mary did. Or if I went to Steve and he was watching the footy finals (laughs) and I was like, hey, Steve, and he turned to me, can you wait? 
You know what else would be finished, right? (laughs) But what about God? Does he get to jump the line? Is he given an all-access pass in your life? Or does he sort of just get ushered to this, the line of important things, but it just kind of has to wait? You either treasure God or you don't. And when you treasure, sorry, I'm still really nervous. (laughs) I thought it would wear off. You either treasure God or you don't. And what you treasure, that will make you generous or stingy. That will make you healthy or unhealthy. It will make you light or darkness, but you can't have both. And actually, the only way that you can be generous is if you treasure heaven. You can't have both. You can't serve God and money. You can't love God and money. And you know what? I know people feel really uncomfortable when we talk about money in church. And honestly, it's because a lot of us do see value in money. And we don't want to be told, hey, I think you love money too much. Money is powerful. Money shows results. Money speaks for itself, and money is not a bad thing. But money, it can tear families apart. It can breed injustice, and money is not a good God. And finally, money can't save your eternity. And yet, so many of us would rather trust the amount that is in our pockets than the God who gave you those pockets. Is it money or is it God? What is your priority? You know, these verses, it challenges not only our priorities, but also our perspective. You know, essentially in these passages, in these verses, Matthew is saying one thing. You're going to die. When do you go to heaven? When you die. He's reminding you, hey, you're going to die anyway. No amount of vitamins, BJJ or money is going to prevent something that is imminent and that is death. One day, your heart will stop. One day, someone is going to have to clean up all your stuff. You can't take any of that with you. One day. To seek the kingdom first. You need to believe that heaven is our home. This is our biggest obstacle in our faith. Our faith is more about the now and immediate and less about what is to come. Not just in the next five to ten years, but the next hundred to ten thousand years. And if you can't get past this point, your faith is convenient, shallow and lukewarm at best. The reality of where we belong, where we are going, needs to sink in deep. And not in a, oh, that's cute. Not in that kind of way, but an all or nothing kind of way. Put your life on the line kind of way. You know, for those of you who are looking to buy a home, 
It's really hard, right? But you know, you're willing to make cuts because home is where you belong. It's the same with heaven. That's your forever home. So how much are you willing to invest into heaven? How much are you willing to forego to invest into that home? Don't get me wrong, guys. Not telling you not to buy a house. Not telling you not to be wise and savvy with your money. But I'm just asking. Have a real good think about what your priorities are. Where are you putting your money? What are you seeking? And what are you serving in your life? If heaven becomes your home and God your priority, naturally, you will see a shift. You will become more generous because now you won't be so caught up with the things in front of you. And if you're not so caught up with the things in front of you, you're more likely to be generous with your stuff. And you are less likely to worry. Raise your hand. If you worried about finding parking on the way to church today, thank you, Dennis, always the last one in. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you worried about your health this week. Yep, raise your hand. Okay, another raise of hands. Worried about fellowship time this week. Everyone except Oz, yep. Okay. Worried about actually having to raise your hand. <laughs> Worry is so embedded in our lives, from hand sanitizer to Botox to insurance. Worry is a part of everything. Worried about germs, worried about wrinkles, worried about the unknown. But God, what does God say? In verse 25, it reads this, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. It's pretty clear, isn't it? You know, and, and I'll confess, I love to worry. It's, um, if, if worry was an Olympic sport, I reckon I have a good, good national champion level at least, for sure. You know, I get a stomachache and I'm like, oh my God, is that cancer? <laughs> my kids have a bad day at school, I'm like, oh my God, are they being bullied? You know, I call Steve and he doesn't answer my phone call, which happened this week, actually. And I was like, oh, my God, is he dead? <laughs> Who's going to take care of me now? I have five kids. It's impossible to get remarried. <laughs> you get it, right? If there was a way to worry about something, don't laugh, Jennifer. If there was a way to worry about something, I'm definitely going to find a way to worry about it. And even when things are going well, I'm like, okay, what is the next bad thing that's going to happen to me right now? Because it's really peaceful and I don't like this. Now, we all worry. So I want you to think about the biggest worry in your life. Just have a look at it. Whatever it is. Health, finance, job, relationships, children, not having children, having too many children. What is behind that worry? I promise you, it's not Jesus. 
See, when we worry about what I eat or what I drink or about my body or about my clothes, I have no certainty that I can provide those things. But not only that, I have no certainty that God can provide those things. See, you worry not because you don't have money or you don't have time or knowledge or control. You worry because you lack faith. You don't trust God. In verse 30, it reads this. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, is thrown, sorry, I totally not, did not read that right, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, when we worry, our perspective is based on the immediate. When we worry, our priority is the temporary. We no longer have hope in the eternal. And not only is our perspective skewered, but our reality of God is inadequate. Our trust in God is compromised when our view of God is small and the truth is forgotten. But today, from these verses, we know that we can trust God because He reminds us with two truths today why we should and can trust God. The first one is this you are of value. Verse 26 reads this, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not? Are you not of more value than the birds in the sky? Are you not of more value than the bin chicken rummaging through our bins looking for treasure in our trash? Are you not of more value than the birds of the air? But perhaps you cannot answer this question confidently. Maybe some days, more often than not, you question or you are unsure about how much God actually values you whether it's your past or whether it's your present. Maybe life has been unkind or you just have been really stupid. You are unsure that God finds value in you. But today, hear me say this. You are valuable to God. The value of God Sorry, the value that God has of your life is as grand as your salvation and as trivial as your next breath. There is nothing too small or insignificant that God does not care about. And what concerns you also concerns God. Your value is independent from anything that you have done or will do. Your value is from one truth and one truth alone. He is your father and you are his child. Hold fast to the truth that God finds you valuable and also remember that God knows. From inflation, interest rates to desires and dreams, God knows. 
your wants, your needs, your problems, your pleasures, God knows. Even when you are unsure about yourself, God knows. God knows you. God knows where you are going. God knows what you are going through and God knows what you will go through. God knows. In verse 32, it says this, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, it, it is not that God is far and, and irrelevant and unknowing of the things that you need. He knows and understands that you have needs. But you need to trust that God knows them. God knows your needs. Friends, I pray that these two truths, even if you forget everything else, will ring deep in you today. May you receive the Father's love for you today, that you are of value and that he knows you. Treasuring the kingdom and trusting God go hand in hand. We trust God by treasuring the kingdom and we treasure the kingdom by trusting God. Seeking the kingdom first is believing and belonging to heaven. Seeking the kingdom first is prioritizing God at all costs. And seeking the kingdom first is driven by the truth that he is our father in whom we are valued and known. And I know that this sounds like a lot of doing, but it's actually not. It's receiving. It's receiving his love. It's receiving his home. It's receiving his lordship over our lives. And this is how and where we start seeking the kingdom first, not in doing and not even in seeking, but in believing and receiving what God has for you. See, a kingdom people is generous and can be generous because we have everything we need. And can I challenge, we have a really generous church, but can I challenge you? You can be so much more generous because God has given to you generously. Not just in the material things that you have, but your life, your breath, your, your home, your eternal home. That is all yours. And if you have so much, wouldn't that naturally flow out to the people around you? Generosity says more about your heart and what you treasure than anything else. What more about what you are holding on to than anything else. Yes, I'm talking about your money, but I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your attention. I'm talking about all the skills that you have to offer. A kingdom people, a kingdom first people are a generous people because they first and foremost have received from God. And if you would trust him, if you would prioritize him, he will work it out. He's prepared for your flakiness. He isn't phased by your failures. Just continue to seek him first. And my final warning to you is this. 
Although there is no other way that I would encourage people to live their lives, be prepared to feel out of place. Be prepared to be tested. The world does not know God. The world does not love God. And if you seek to live a life with kingdom-first principles, the world will not be like-minded to you. I'm going to read verse 33, which is amazing. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom, and all these things, all the worries that you have, God will work it out. You have no power in and of yourself to change anything that you are going through. But God does. God knows you. God loves you. He's got it. So this spring, the spring of 2023, so first into the kingdom and see that promise, the Matthew 6.33 promise, bear fruit in your life. Let's pray.